Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin, and today we are playing the hits. So we have A-Punk off of Vampire Weekend's first album, Vampire Weekend. Made famous by Step Brothers. Great song. Most people know Vampire Weekend from the song. What were your first impressions when you heard the song? You know, I can't tell you the first time I heard it, um, but you know, it's it's one of those songs that's always in the back of your head. You just never really knew what it was about. Um, it's the song that's at the top of everybody's Apple Music songs, alphabetically related. You know, whatever you want to call that. Um, this is this is their this is their signature song, whether they like it or not. This is the band's signature song, and. I mean, before we started looking into this today, I couldn't have told you any of the lyrics, quite yeah. honestly. I could not have told you any of the lyrics. And I can now tell you some of the lyrics. I do not know what they mean. <laughs> At least I don't think I do. But this is, despite being potentially their poppiest, most popular song, this is absolutely a Vampire Weekend song. Without a doubt. Yes, totally. Very, it has that, collegiate northeastern vibe um it throws in a nice little reference to sloan kettering a hospital in uh upper east side of manhattan um so the hudson river emerges um so the hudson river showed up on this before hudson off of modern vampires so i think we might, we might have talked theme. about this uh earlier on i think mentally fans of the band think of modern vampires city as like the new york era if you will but i think we have to keep in mind that like some of this early stuff is very new york city baby you know and i think i talked about it a little bit with walcott but like the very specific like place names thing like i know i like to talk about bruce springsteen but like that's a thing that he did a ton early in his career, like referencing like very specific place names. And they grew away from that as a band. Bruce did too. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of a symbol of these guys. Like they're still talking about where they're from. It's, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely view the first album as the college album and the second album as the California. And then the third, yeah, I guess more Northeast. I, I mostly associate the third with them just talking about dying. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as you all do in your mid twenties, right? Yes. But, <laughs> um, and then the last album, it's just dad rock central. Dad rock central. I love life. Things are okay. <laughs> we're, we're thriving. Um, but yeah, if we want to dive in, um, it starts with that nice guitar riff. That's, known by everyone i feel like if you press play and play three notes and press pause pretty much anyone knows that because of what you said with it being the first song on your apple or spotify music and so once you plug it into bluetooth a punk starts up right away everyone knows the start (laughs) um but yeah he starts singing and like he said i had no idea what he was saying prior to this week so Joanna drove slowly into the city, the Hudson River all filled with snow. She spied the ring on his honor's finger. Oh, oh, oh. So, so his got? honor, I, I look at this and I, I think of 
maybe like a groom to be almost my first thought of it. Really? I think of it as like a as 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 a as 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 a man in a relationship, someone someone who's with Joanna. Um, but it feels very formal to say his honor. Yeah, you know? I, I mean his honor is associated with judges, right? And so maybe he has this formal title, but yeah, I, I definitely got the sense that they're in this relationship. Um, but the line that, so it continues on and says a thousand years and one piece of silver. She took it from his lily white hand, showed no fear. She'd seen the thing in the young men's wing at Sloan Kettering. So that's the line that's kind of snuck in and most people aren't aware of what Sloan Kettering is. But it's um, a cancer center in Manhattan. And so this guy is dying of cancer. And at the beginning of verse one, um, she spied the ring on his honor's finger. She took it from his lily white hand. So she's taking a ring from a dead man's body, right? I guess so. Um, if, if we're to assume it's the same person. I don't know why I didn't read it that way immediately but i think i i I think i kind of see what you're saying and i think i agree with you showed no fear she'd seen the thing so So the young men this ring okay so the guy was at sloan kettering is no longer yes is the is the guy alive or no No, i think he's dead because i guess that makes sense why he's always lily white white. yes okay there we go um in a thousand years and one piece of silver, I think that just has ties to do with um, kind of some wedding bands have family history within them. Mm-hmm. And so that wedding band has has the thousand years of history behind it. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So it feels like it's some sort of heirloom. It definitely increases the kind of noble air around this man with his honor and a ring that has a thousand years within it. Mm-hmm. Um, So there's definitely a sense of nobility there. So yeah, give it up to Vampire Weekend for having this like happy go summer uh, song uh, super fast. No one knows what they're saying. And apparently they're talking about stealing the ring from a dead man's body. I don't know if it's necessarily dark. It's just sort of intrigue. It's very interesting. You, You could very easily paint this in sort of some like, night at the museum style fanfare where it's like (laughs) it feels romanticized i don't know Mm, okay Okay. and it's to me it feels very narrative because we i mean we 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 have this character going on more i know before the show you said you don't feel the same way Mm -hmm. um but i would say for vampire weekend standards this is a this is a narrative song so would you say verse two is a flashback then because his honor is alive again so I think you got me. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> I could be. It could be a flashback. Maybe, maybe, maybe she takes the title of his honor after obtaining the oh, ring. Maybe it's some okay. sort of like, like ring of power type thing. Huh. Interesting. So, so this is a Lord of the Rings reference. This is a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah. Okay. I'm, so, I'm okay so what's that. what's the deal with these raincoats? Look outside at the raincoats coming. I mean, it's obviously a reference to Redcoats are coming, right? Paul Revere's great ride. You know, I feel like they would have said that, though. But it's just replacing Redcoats with Raincoats. Look outside. And, the... and Raincoats indicates 
um, a sort of ominous mood coming, I guess. Uh, in addition, there's actually a British post-punk band, which was called the Raincoats. So yeah, that I never heard of, um, but that makes sense for the band to reference. Obviously, there's a lot of post-punk influence there. Um, frankly, I guess I never saw it as the Redcoats thing, but I don't have another good answer for you, so I don't know what to say otherwise. Well, I, I think the AAAA kind of encourages it because they're like yelling at people about they're warning them like Paul Revere did. Does that connect in any way to what we've had in the first two verses or the first, no, the first part of the song? That's what I'm saying. I don't think it connects, even though it's the same characters. I feel like they're just, uh, what's the word? So silhouettes, um, vignettes. There we vignettes. Go. There we go. There we go. Vignettes into, uh, this person's life or maybe what could have been their life in multiple cases interesting yeah i mean like i said it's very wes anderson-y yeah yeah yes i um you know we 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 can go in depth in the song but it also it really truly could mean nothing for all we're considering and i mean we'll probably talk about the the music video at some point this episode if you watch the music video like this song is just so easy to make fun of if you want to make fun of the band (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) Um, but yeah, diving into verse two, his honor drove southward, seeking Exotica down to the Pueblo huts of New Mexico, cut his teeth on turquoise harmonicas. Oh, oh, oh. You're in New Mexico? I have, I have been to New Mexico, Albuquerque. Okay. okay. Yeah, place. it's um... great food. Yeah, I drove through once. I haven't spent time in Albuquerque. I spent a few hours in Santa Fe and it, New Mexico you know feels like Santa a, Fe. <laughs> New, New Mexico in general feels like a different world, um, especially Santa Fe. Um, some of that's intentional. Some of that's just kind of the way they do things. Um, but New, Me- New Mexico is a, a beautiful place. Um, also an incredibly impoverished state. It's one of the poorer states in the country mm. um, for a number of reasons. Um, so, but I think that in my head, adds the mystique it's like it literally feels like you're going to another world the sort of place mm-hmm. where you could find exotica i think it's the fun place where you could find turquoise harmonicas i'm taking that as my favorite lyric by the way cut his teeth out of turquoise it. harmonicas because oh. that's freaking incredible <laughs> um i don't know how playable a turquoise harmonica is um but i mean that seems like a cool thing yeah but, did- did you what? see the Woke Vampire Weekday's interpretation of turquoise harmonicas? No, what's this? Okay, so first we have to introduce the broader uh, stretch that someone has brought about, which I really like. Kevin is not a fan of. I don't think um, I was not a fan. I just, I, it's a stretch. It's a big stretch. So the his honor, they tied it to Bob Dylan because Bob Dylan... Um, when he went to New York, um, he told several interviews he was from New Mexico and that he spent a lot of time uh, cutting his teeth singing cowboy songs and carnival songs. Um, and Bob Dylan was famous for his harmonica usage. So that kind of ties. But then they brought in a little woke vampire weekday 
in saying that Bob Dylan, he took a lot of folk tunes from other people, okay? And turquoise is often associated with Native Americans and whose land was stolen by European settlers. So is Bob Dylan, the European settler, stealing these folk songs from the Native Americans of the folk singers in this case? In that way, he is cutting his teeth. He's making his way using stolen harmonica tunes. Wow. So <laughs> the first Bob Dylan record, I haven't, I haven't listened to the whole thing, but it's like the first Bob Dylan record. I think it came out in like 1960 or 1959. I think it's all covers. The second one actually has some original stuff and it's more of what we associate with like Dylan and his guitar and his harmonica. But most of it's all covers. With that being said, I don't think it's, I could go down a rabbit hole on this, but I don't think it's that woke to say, oh, this band stole a bunch of music from other people because pretty much every band ever started as a cover band. You know, yeah, Twist sure. and Shout's a cover, folks. I don't really know, you know, before Keith Richards could write Satisfaction, he had to play a bunch of like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf tunes first to like get used to it. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's as much of a gotcha to say like, oh, Led Zeppelin didn't write anything original because like they stole stuff. I mm-hmm. And again, that's not what we're here to talk about, but yeah, it's a I very mean. interesting stab at it because the turquoise, you're right. The turquoise jewelry, that sort of thing, you're right, is 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 typically associated with Native Americans, is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, cut his teeth on turquoise. That's so funny though. That's, that's kind of cool. And... Nico mentioned, I think this is a bit of a stretch, um, but the New Mexico connection is probably the strongest potential element here tying it because I really don't see any other reason why that would be involved here. There's one other big tie. So Joanna, um, the name, Bob Dylan has a song called Visions of Joanna. Okay. Wow. Wow. He has this girl um, named Louise. She's all right. She's just near. She's delicate and seems like the mirror. But all he can think of is these visions of Joanna that conquer my mind. Wow. And so apparently the song was written about his first wife, Sarah, when he was dating folk singer Joanne Baez. Oh, I guess I forgot they dated. Um, That's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, I would say with that in play here, that I think this is definitely something that warrants our consideration. Um, but I guess, how does that tie into the first verse? Apparently, is Bob Dylan vamp- dead? Yeah, Vampire Weekend thinks Bob Dylan's actually dead. I mean, folks, if you've seen the guy play guitar lately, then apparently Bob Dylan is just like, the reason you go see Bob Dylan these days is to like genuflect his presence and it's not to actually like enjoy the show. I mean, the, the <laughs> man is like, <laughs> the man's 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he was never really able to sing. That's definitely not really his strong suit now. Oh, uh, apparently he can't really play the guitar. Oh, he came to the Morris um, when we were in school. Really? The Morris yeah. Thing? I forget what year, but oh, it was wait, like Morris Performing Arts. Center. Yes, the Morris Performing Arts. Center. <laughs> the, the Morris. Man. The Morris. Imagine this dude playing a ball. Bob freaking Dylan playing At a, a ball hotel with like fifty room. people. In a, yeah, a <laughs> hotel conference room. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I I want to like this. I just don't know if I do. I like it. Okay. I, that's why I say it's vignettes because it doesn't make sense. The first one, his honor is dead. But if you separate the two, it, it makes a little more sense. Okay. So and then we've I got mean, this. Israel oh, go has to be a big fan of Bob Dylan, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we've discussed that the band covers Joker Man live, um, which is a, a great late era Bob Dylan track. Um, I think pretty much any songwriter's taken some stuff from Bob Dylan at some point or another. Um, and even if you haven't, you've taken something from someone who took something from Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. So he's the source of some, it's hard to not be take stuff from him. So I think, I think definitely at some point the band wanted to make an homage to Dylan is, is absolutely reasonable. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we have the next part of the second verse here. I saw Joanna down in the subway. She took an apartment in Washington Heights. Half of the ring lies here with me, but the other half's at the bottom of the sea. So Washington Heights is northern part of Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. Do I have that right? So historic, like original Manhattan Island just was a sparsely populated area with a bunch of like mansions then it became an immigrant neighborhood. Basically, everyone that wasn't Anglo-Saxon, um, kind of an American history thing here, um, was <laughs> sent up to uh, Washington Heights. Um, I think through the middle part of the 20th century, it was primarily a Dominican neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And now, like a lot of places in Manhattan, is starting to become gentrified. But historically, a, a neighborhood that has undergone change um, and largely been a neighborhood of immigrants, really. Yeah, in the Heights, it's based it there right the what's in the heights oh is a play by lin Manuel miranda before oh. hamilton and it's coming oh, that play it's becoming yes. a movie soon oh okay you know what i did see something about that yeah yeah so that takes place in washington heights okay because it's very dominican so yeah i'll this i guess this is kind of related the dominican new york accent is just one of my favorite things ever <laughs> it's just it's just so cool i don't know if i've heard it I can't think of a good example of one, but like, I don't know. I feel like you hear interviews with people and it's like, hmm. anyway, I, I, I could go on all day about New York because it's just such a fascinating. So is thing. Joanna confirmed Dominican? I don't know. Was Joan Baez Dominican? <laughs> but that wasn't about Joan Baez. That was about his uh, future wife, Sarah. Wait, I thought you said the song was about Sarah while he was dating Joan? Wait. Yes. So now, okay, now I'm looking pined, up. Because in the song, he pines for Joanna, even though he's with Louise. In real life, he's pining for Sarah, even though he's dating Joan. I know it's confusing because Joan and Joanna are similar. but I see. Okay, so first of all, Joan Baez wrote The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, which is a great uh, tune by the band. That's very cool. Um, she was born in Staten Island. That's kind of neat. Um, Sarah Dillon. Her father was Mexican. So does, okay. yeah, it doesn't look like she's Dominican. Sarah Dillon was, um, looks like Jewish from okay. Eastern Europe. So no, like, direct reason why Washington Heights is necessarily involved. I guess that's not too far from Columbia. That could be part of it, right? Yeah, so apparently Ezra lived pretty close. Um, he lives in Morningside Heights. 
Okay. Uh, after graduation. Okay. So it might just be throwing out locations just to sound good. Just place names. Exactly. Yeah. So and we yeah. have that. I saw Joanna down on the subway. She took an apartment in Washington Heights. Half of the ring lies here with me, but the other half's at the bottom of the sea. This really feels like a Lord of the Rings thing. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's not what it is, but like that's that's the, the engraving mentally where my head goes. What's that? It's the engraving inside the ring once you put it in fire. Look outside the raincoat's coming. Yeah, that's what it says in in whatever the whatever the language is. In Elvish. Yeah, in Elvish, exactly. Well, it's an ancient. Oh, okay. Well, we're getting too into well. the <laughs> an ancient Elvish that most have not seen. But anyway. And then yeah. So I don't. I, yeah, I don't know what that line means. Half the ring. Half of the, like. Why would the ring be in half in the first place? Well, I, I think it's a more metaphorical half. I don't think they broke the ring in half. I think it's half of the ring lies here with me. What if the his honor was buried in the sea? Burial sea. Okay. And so the other half's with him at the bottom of the sea. You're saying, and but you're you're also saying, like in a metaphorical sense, like somebody might physically have the ring, but part of it is with. Or it's maybe, always going to be with maybe the, the full ring is both of their rings together, and so now she only has half. I don't know, man. My head started to hurt. <laughs> there is a possible um, Wes Anderson reference by that some people have thought. I didn't think it was, but please enlighten me. So they thought it was a reference to Bert Fisher's remark in Rushmore, okay. uh, which is apparently one of Ezra's favorite movies, that his son Max is a mad dreamer, a sad dreamer married to the sea. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think it's a lot of bit of stretch. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think more of what I'm realizing here is that it, it entirely could be because this is less connected than I initially thought. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, I, 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 in a, a cursory read to the song at the beginning, I thought, oh, we see characters kind of coming and going. We see this theme of a ring coming and going throughout the song. I just assumed it was narrative, but I think diving in a little bit more, there's less connecting it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this cool attempt at imagery and place names and maybe Bob Dylan and maybe Joan Baez, but I don't think there's a cohesive story here anymore. Yeah, I don't think there is either. I think it's kind of a collection of vignettes, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the title, though? That I didn't get because I, I was looking at the single cover, and obviously this 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 band had yet to like develop a an aesthetic at this point. But you have this album cover where it's it's a snapshot from the. The music video and it's in this like futuristic font it says a punk in different colors and frankly i don't i really don't know what the name means yeah so there was someone who was thinking that punk used to be slang for prostitute um, oh yeah back in like shakespearean days so someone was saying maybe that's the exotica that his honor is seeking. 
Okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense in terms of the exotica. Now, I actually had really no idea um, where the term punk came from. Punk subculture. Wow. I mean, I, I guess I always associated, yeah, um, you know, like punk rock, obviously, like being a punk, but I guess I never really knew what that word meant or came from. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's fair. The term punk rock was previously used by American rock critics in the early 70s to describe the mid-1960s garage bands. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if you think of, like, early Who, early Kinks, it's like proto-punk. I feel like punk was around before this, though. What's that? Yeah, Yeah, I'm trying to think, what is the origin of the word punk? That's what I'm trying to find, because you're right. The entire time, I thought that it was just this. Is it from that early Shakespearean prostitute meaning? Now I'm trying to find punk word origin. Late 17th century English. Um, perhaps in some sense related to the archaic punk, meaning prostitute. So there's a whole article by J.P. Robinson about the rotten ep- etymology of punk, saying punk has been used to describe music since at least 1899. Oh! Yeah. And so, and I guess the term like punk kid, you know, like that existed before punk rock. Exactly. So in 1899, in a review, it said the most punk song ever heard in a hall, and they were making fun of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm, it looks like, yeah, there, there appears to be some sort of uh, Shakespeare thing. It, I think it has to do with that. Yeah. Okay, I think I think that's 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 a safe bet. They were um, making fun of punks, and they're like, "Oh, you might as well be a prostitute." I don't know. <laughs> so a punk, a hyphen punk. I don't know. It, I guess it could be that exotica thing, um, but I feel like every other song name has either been said like by the band at some point. Or, like, there's a pretty direct relation. Yeah. Yeah. That's Shoot. Okay. Guess hmm. we'll never know. We're seeing some live research on the show today. This is, yeah, this is really the crack team trying to do their darndest here. Um, Elvis was described as punk at one point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they couldn't film him from the waist down. <laughs> that was that was cutting edge it was too too much exotica right it's actually amazing how far we've come in like the 70 years since then <laughs> it's like wow every generation has its own exactly it's it's always been the case that like the kids are kids are pissing off the older generation it's never gonna stop yeah so Shut- yeah. The term definitely was used to describe like renegade youth by the 60s because in a Dick Grayson cart or Dick Tracy cartoon was okay. used. Um, so the so the the rock music that became known as punk rock was just kind of a natural progression from that. 
Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, it was definitely based on the people who are punks and not the other way around. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it makes sense. I mean, there in an incredibly loose sense, there's a world in which you could describe Vampire Weekend's music as just a continuation of the like new wave post punk thing, a la Talking Heads, a la the Smiths. You know, so. Definitely. There's a reason you can call it, you can call him a post punk band, but to call the song a punk, I don't know. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this song's kind of all over the place. We don't, we don't, yeah. There's, 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 I, I'm trying to think the last time we truly had a head scratcher like this where we just didn't really, like, we were just spinning our tires the entire time. I do, I do want to mention a few fun facts about the song, um, but I guess Please. we should talk about the music video first. Yes. It's a, it's a cool thing. The guy who directed it directed the 2005 version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Is that right? Really? I yeah. did not see this. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so the, the guy who directed it is like a legitimate like Hollywood director. Um, yes. I think he did a Radiohead music video as well. Um, she also Radiohead. directed Sing, that 2016 movie based about like a pig singing or something. That's kind of cool. So this guy's yeah, he's like this guy's legit. Movie. And um, if you haven't seen the music video, it's it's the guys. I'm assuming they just filmed it, and it it appears to be stop motion. So I'm assuming they just kind of re removed a couple of frames mm -hmm. um, from a from a video. Um, and it's them in like a warehouse. Ezra's got a blue version of his Epiphone, which is something I don't think we've ever seen in other cases. Um, Bayo's got his bass and then CT and Rostam just like are alternating back and forth, like smashing these drums. Um, there's one scene in the middle where like they're all four of them are lined up. There's a bunch of drums in front of them. It's just this, it's two and a half minutes of pure sugar. And it, it's a, it's kind of a funny at first it looks like some like weird talking heads music video and then it actually starts looking pretty cool mm -hmm. i like it i think it's cool yeah i think it's a good music video um he also directed their cousin's music video which makes sense because it's very oh, similar oh yeah same deal yeah, yeah very fast-paced hectic mm -hmm. um but yeah i, I did want to mention this song was included in lego rock band very important Mm -hmm. um and on the youtube video i was watching of someone playing it um, because apparently those things exist on youtube <laughs> someone said this is so nostalgic i used to play this with my mom every day after dinner oh. and someone replied to that saying bruh what <laughs> i mean that's 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 very sweet i think <laughs> yeah it's very nice <laughs> So this song was also used in Guitar Hero 5, yes. Just Dance 2, um, the 2010 film Furry Vengeance. Uh, I remember seeing ads for that in middle school. Um, and the second trailer for the film Peter Rabbit, which, which Ezra contributed to in a number of other capacities. Yes. So yes. We'll, we'll get to that at some point. But... M79 was used in that film. So we'll probably talk about that then a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, so Ezra, for some reason, is very involved with Peter Rabbit, so so it will come back up on our pod. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll get to that for sure. But um, yeah, we that was a punk. <laughs> it's a weird song. Like it's the like, lyrics just make no sense. Yeah, it's like 
and it, again, it's a hit. It's like, we kind of know what we got. It's like, if you ask us to analyze, like, don't stop believing, it's like, we're not really gonna be able to talk about much. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's weird because most of the songs, there's like always some stabs at it online from people and sometimes they're all over the place. But on this one, there's like nothing. The Bob Dylan thing was pretty significant. And if we want to make that connection, I think we can. Um, but you're right. Other than that, like there was very little Reddit discussion. Um, and I mean, I, I, I tried to get my best shot. And frankly, I didn't really have a ton. So I just kind of assumed, but like I said earlier, that it was narrative. And it was a story, and I guess that really wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah, but good stuff. Yeah, you you kind of messed me up with stealing the best lyric already. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry. Do you want it? You can't have it if uh, you want. No, it's yours. It's all yours. Cut his teeth on turquoise harmonicas. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll I'll go one line before and say down to the pueblo huts of New Mexico. Yeah, that verse there is really nice because something quite like that. I mean, we, we get snippets of it, but that's that that's a kind of verse that in the Vampire Weekend universe seems pretty unique to a song like this. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that line a lot. Yeah. Okay. Top five. This life, stranger, unbelievers, ladies of Cambridge. Uh, white sky. Ladies of Cambridge, this late in the game. Wow. I, I love that song. <laughs> As I, I, I visited my sister at a collegiate campus yesterday, and I get it now, man. And actually, when I was getting off the exit on the Indiana, Indiana Toll Road, it was it came up on shuffle, and I was like, <laughs> "This is the this is what God intended." I mean, it just feels right. I'll go. I'll I'll go Flower Moon. We belong together. Finger back. Nice. Um. This life. And unbearably white. Nice. And then for a hat this week, do you have a? Hat? I do. I do have a hat. Yeah. Um. So. This was a recent, well, I shouldn't say it was a recent purchase. I ordered it back in February. Um, but because of a lot of the online Instagram bootleggers that are associated with Vampire Weekend, I just follow a ton of these guys at Instagram. And the stuff's amazing, but it's also just terrible for my wallet. So in the mail the other day, I received my um, olive green, I'd rather be listening to Steely Dan hat. Uh, shout out Forbidden Canvas on Instagram. Those guys are amazing. Um, but yeah, the Instagram bootleg merch universe is dangerous i uh i've got a women in music part three shirt i showed you it's on on its way from from the freezer um check it out if you just want some dumb dumb stuff but yeah this is a it's an olive green hat that in gold lettering says i'd rather be listening to steely dan and what explain the little thing on the rim what what type of hat is that it's a i think you call this a rope hat Okay. I think is 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 how I've heard it described before. Um, I I've actually never owned one of these before, like a rope hat. I but I do like the style, and I wanted to I wanted to invest, and obviously this is this is a cause that I I really feel strongly about. Yes. So I wanted I Kevin wanted to invest. Very big Steely Dan fan. Um, he he has Steely Dan in his dating profile. So I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's 
it's great because sometimes you get people just on there just just want to talk about Steely Dan, and it's like we have nothing else in common. But I need Steely Dan friends because there really aren't that many my age. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> so the song for next week will be Lord Ulan's daughter. <laughs> Here we go. We're going heavy into spoken word featuring Jude Law. You could make the case this is probably the deepest cut. I think so. Well, Arrow probably because that never actually got an official American release. But I mean, this is probably number two. Yeah, it's I, I I would be shocked if I was talking to someone and they'd be like, what do you think of Lord Ulan's daughter? Favorite song. <laughs> when are you coming out with that pod? <laughs> so All right, we're going deep. Week. I think, didn't you say that after we recorded like the second or third episode that you pulled Lord Ulan's daughter and you said, we can't do that because it's what <laughs> too early in the show. <laughs> yes. I was like, we can't do this as a third episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. We've definitely pulled some strings <laughs> behind the scenes. Yeah, it's not always always the most ethical, but you know, we get the job done. So tune in next week for Lord Ulan's daughter. Take it easy, folks. Um, um.